Greetings from Jerusalem, the only city on the planet which is called the Throne of the Lord, Jeremiah 3.17. Our theme song you just heard is Tukun Olam, which resonates the soul of this broadcast to help repair the world, especially the church and Israel. Tune in each week. Our message is coming from Jerusalem and will give real meat to the Word of God in this season of much-needed Bible truth. I would like to see this broadcast help you catch a glimpse of what you've been missing and to help you reconnect your faith to the missing link. I guarantee you'll go deeper in the Word of God from tuning in to Heartbeat for Israel, sponsored by Christian Friends of Israel Jerusalem at cfijerusalem.org. Why? There's so much to tell. Just join us now for our time together. Well, I bring you all greetings from Jerusalem, and I want to pronounce a blessing upon all of you as I begin this morning to share my heart. I want to pronounce the blessing that May you all see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your lives. Amen? Well, <clears throat> I have been asked, I want to thank Marilyn Resurrection Fellowship for inviting me to come and to speak today. I have a lot to share, and I'm going to try to get it all in, in the time that we're allotted. And I hope, I hope that some of you will be inspired today. But Marilyn asked, before I really speak, to just give you a little update, maybe a three or four minute update about what's happening in Israel today, or a little prophetic update. I'm sure you all are watching CNN and very, very, very um, up to date on what is taking place, so I don't have to give you any news update. But I want to say a couple of things that play the uh, important role in today's world as far as factors in our Middle East, and that is terrorism. All, unfortunately, the, we're very now aware of what this lethal uh, threat is to the whole world. Terrorism uh, is all over the world, and Israel is a prime target. And Islamic terrorism is going to try to destroy the Jewish state, because if it could, if it could be successful in doing that, then it could take the whole world. And it would be easier to take America and other nations like that. And then the spirit of lawlessness would run free. So we need to pray, you know, for our countries and particularly for the nation of Israel in continuance. America and Israel. You know, President Truman in May, on May 13th, 1948, the day, uh, well, actually, Israel became a nation on May 14th. But the United States of America affirmed to the world that Israel had a right to exist. And we gave our blessings to that little country. And we've stayed with her all these years. And we need to pray that America will not turn against Israel. Amen? The world of Islam out there, the world has painted a really nice picture in some ways, an apologetic picture, so to speak, that it's a peaceful religion, when it is not I can affirm that to you. If you are not following Islam, you have no right to exist. And so 
Uh, I could say also that Islam and Hitler's propaganda that is going on out there is the same, uh, the same spirits of hatred, murder, violence, and no tolerance. So we must remember, we must pray for the people who are caught under the deception of Islam. For God loves them also and wants to set them free. And I want to say this, my personal belief is that the Lord is returning sooner rather than later. Because I see the signs, we saw the scattering. Now we've seen the ingathering of the Jewish people. We see the struggles of the Jewish people. We see the birth pains of the Messiah and the spiritual return to the Lord that is on its way. So I really believe there's not going to be any more peace in the Middle East until Yeshua, Jesus, comes back to Jerusalem to bring us peace. But we can pray, and we can certainly continue to pray, that our nation will stand with little Israel, uh, God's ancient covenant people, right? Now, I want to get into my message, and I don't know. I'm not here to so much teach or instruct you today. I'm here to share my heart. That's the best thing I do. And I've kind of entitled my message a call to commitment slash finding hidden treasures of the Lord. We're going to hear more about that in a few moments. How many of you here today enjoy a challenge How many? (laughs) Okay, some of you, most of you do. (laughs) You know, the Apostle Paul challenged a lot of people he never met. And most of you here today, most of you, I really haven't met. I do not know you. But we are sisters, right, in the Lord. Sisters not in name, but sisters just the same, right? And I want to challenge you today. To consider the call of God. What would you do? What would you do? Think about it for a moment. If God called you, or if you're married, you and your husband or your family, to pull up stakes, to sell everything that you'd ever worked for, to give up your careers, to bid farewell to your father and mother, your grandchildren, and everyone, everything and everyone you ever loved or worked for, to follow the Lord. You know, we sing that song, I have decided to follow Jesus, but do we really know what it means? Just how would you know it would be God calling, right? How would you know? Well, I want to say this. I think, I really feel that there are some of you here today with the call of God on your lives. Some of you are called to international fields, to people groups in the world, and the Lord's been speaking to your heart. Others of you are called right here at home, and there's a mission field in your neighborhood in your church community. It's all around you, and you know you should be doing something more for the Lord. Maybe some of you say, well, I'm not really interested in either one. Well, that's okay, but let me tell you, 
if you're not called to a foreign field, and you're not called, you feel, here, then you're called to pray for those who are. Called to pray that the Lord will send laborers into the field. And the Lord may be trying to speak to your heart. And I hope that something I say today might inspire some of you. You know, I believe we're in a world rapidly, rapidly heading for the end of the end times. And it may be a midnight call that you'll accept here at home, in your neighborhoods, or abroad, or to be an intercessor for those. It may be a last hour call, but there, I know there's a call going forth today. I'm going to speak, as I said, from the best way I can, that is, from my heart. And everything I share with you today, it's going to be from personal experience. It's not from a book. It's not from things that I've gathered to make a good message. It's from personal experience. And I want to tell you, wherever, whatever it means to you, whatever God leads, whatever he's calling you to do, you must obey whenever he speaks. And the key is, is God speaking to me? Am I really hearing his voice? How can I tell? Well, first of all, I want to say that following God isn't easy. My husband and I have been 17 years in Jerusalem. And uh, it's been the most difficult years of our lives. But it's been the best years of our lives. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about that call today. But I, I don't know if many of you believe uh, in predestination or not, but I believe that we're elected and foreordained before the foundation of the world. God knows us before we're formed in our mother's wombs. He knows us. And we're daughters of the king. Amen? And we want to find our missions in life. Yeah, now, that may be a mother. My, our daughter has three children, and she's got a great mission in life to raise up three children, two teenagers and a small one. It's a big mission, and I wouldn't change that for the world. But I do know one thing. You can raise children and you can and work at home, but you can still do things for Christ in other ways, too. And I know when I was a child, there was a saying, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ, what, will last. We can build the biggest homes that we can build. We can own the most possessions that we can obtain. We can do everything mega. But the Bible says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his own soul? We've got to be obedient to whatever God says to do. And I've seen God work so much, even in our own lives, his will into our lives. He's performed miracles for us, miracles, to get us into his will. He gave us prophetic words of prophecy. He worked our circumstances into our lives to get us there. And he has the ability to see what we can do. That we can't even see what we can do sometimes. But he looks at our character in our lives and helps to guide us into kingdom living and kingdom purposes. So I want you to allow me to share with you a short review of my own life, a little testimony of God's divine hand on my life, even when I wasn't 
walking with him. Now, I want to tell you this for sure, too. Are you listening to someone today? I'm, I am not a, oh, how do I want to say, a fancy teacher. I, I don't uh, maybe have some of the characteristics that others do. I'm just a little farm girl from the prairie state of Illinois. My daddy and mama were farmers. And for God to get a little farm girl from the prairie state over to Jerusalem, Israel, to work and to live amongst the Jewish people had to be a call on my life, even before I came to this world. I was born September 6, 1945 right after World War II. My mother had had a child, uh, and the child, I think, was stillborn, and she had a difficult time getting that baby into the world. She almost died. And so, in 1935, she had another baby. That was my sister, Patricia, and she almost died again in childbirth. So the doctors back then told her, you must not have, my maiden name was Zigalowski, that's a big name. Mrs. Zigalowski, you must not have any more children, because if you do, we're going to lose you. You're, she just always said, I guess her body wasn't built to, to bear babies that well. And so they took out from my mother all her ovaries, except a little tiny piece of her ovaries. They tied her fallopian tubes off. They basically sterilized her back then so that she wouldn't get pregnant ever again. Ten and a half years later, she went to that doctor and she said, Doctor, I'm pregnant. And he said, No, you can't be, Miss Siglowski. We fixed you good. <laughs> you can't be. And she said, Well, I am because my body tells me I'm pregnant. Well, guess what? I came along. <laughs> And I always say, I guess somewhere in the mind of God, I was to come. And it didn't make any difference what man did to my mother. I was to come. And I had a purpose in life. And so God will do whatever he has to in our lives to get us where he wants us to be. I also had a, a godly grandmother. How many of you had godly grandmothers? Oh, yes, look. They helped to pray you into the kingdom. She prayed me in, and I remember my mother telling me when I was just a little girl with blonde hair, she turned to my mother and said, someday that little girl will be a blessing to the Lord. She didn't know what she was saying, but it was a prophetic word. Even Mama gave me a Hebrew name. Guess what? I'm Sharon here in America, but when you take me to Israel, what do they call me? Sharon. A Hebrew name. I'm the only one in the family that mother gave that name to. And uh, I, when I was a child, I just loved life. I still love life. But I loved life so much, I wanted all the world could give me. It excited me out there. And by the time I was 17 years of age, I had been chosen by the President of the United States People to People program to Europe to be a part of the charter membership of the school band and chorus of America. And we represented America to Europe, nine different countries, touring for 30 days, singing our hearts out. And they received us with a lot of love and, and everything. But I was born on a farm, as I said. But the big city life, it excited me. 
One pursuit after another, challenges, and the pursuit of things and possessions and careers. American dream homes always had one just a little bigger than the last, and the next one was a little bigger than the last, till finally got my dream home. And then God called us away. <laughs> but I lived, I think, for myself, a pretty self-centered lifestyle. And uh, I fitted God in, you know, for an hour on Sundays. And uh, that was my, the extent of my walk with God. But in my pursuit of happiness in a lot of things in the world out there, God stopped me as he had other plans. Now, I'm saying me because I'm talking about myself today in a testimony way for my sisters who are here, but actually it was my husband and I uh, who were called and called together to this day. In the early 1970s, those of you who are old enough to remember, how many of you remember there was a big move of the Holy Spirit across Europe, and it moved all across America? Well, it went through Illinois, and it caught us and touched our lives. You know, we had gone to church, but we really hadn't known Jesus, not the way we know him today. We didn't know there was a baptism of the Holy Spirit, as we know today. And in 1981 and 82, God orchestrated our lives. Something happened. Well, first of all, um, I don't know if you remember, but it was a, the years of uh, a book called The Late Gray Planet Earth. Yeah, Hal Lindsey. I started reading that book, and one night I was just reading it so thoroughly, someone had put it in my hand. I couldn't, I just couldn't put it down. It was talking about something called Bible prophecy. It was talking about a little country called Israel and the Jews and, and how we were on God's timetable, not mine. Here I was. I was interested in, you know, retiring on a houseboat and enjoying life, you know, when I was old. And, and all of a sudden, I had a fear in my heart. I wasn't ready to meet God. I knew I wasn't ready. And that book was used as a tool to bring my husband and I closer to the Lord. We were working in our careers. I worked for lawyers and judges and all that, that stuff. And my husband was a farm manager. He managed 40 different farms. And I want to tell you that because there was nothing that we did before we went into full-time service for the Lord that God hasn't used. He's used it all, all the experience that we gained. It was 1975 at Christmas, and we decided we would visit Israel. Because every year we took a vacation, went to the Bahamas, or we went to here, or went to there. And Ray said, where do you want to go? And I said, I don't know. I said, uh, I think I'd like to visit that little country of Israel. It, it really sounds neat, because it talks about it in this book, The Late Great Planet Earth. And so to make a long story short, we said to ourselves, that's a long way away from here. I'd only been abroad when I was 17 to the European countries. We didn't know anyone over there in Israel, so we decided, listen to this, this is the Lord. We'd write a little letter to the, we'd heard there was a magazine called, or a newspaper called the Jerusalem Post. So we wrote a little letter saying, we're an American Christian family. We really love you over there in Israel, and we're going to try to visit your country, and we'd like a pen pal. And we thought that they would take our letter and hand it to an Israeli family, and we'd build a friendship, and we'd have some friends there when we went to visit in December of 1975. A couple months later, we went to the post box, and there was a couple of letters from Israel. 
Well, we were astounded. Israeli stamps, and we were excited. Next day, there were a couple more letters. The next day, there were more letters, and more letters, and more letters. And you know what? We finally got a letter that had a newspaper clipping. And what they had done, instead of giving our letter to someone in Israel so they could be our pen pal, they printed our letter in the Jerusalem Post. We got responses from the north, from Dan to Beersheba, soldiers in Lebanon, everywhere all over Israel. Well, we decided this must be God. So we decided to take as a real project. And I remember I had a file on every family. And we had, then we put a room up with a, a, a map of Israel and pinpointed all the towns and cities and villages they were writing us from. And we were beginning to learn about Jews. It was part of God's plan. You know, over a 10-year period, I think we wrote to 100 to 150 different Jewish families. That's how many people responded to us. We began to learn about the Jewish people, not knowing that one day we'd be there. But it was God calling. He was speaking to us, but we couldn't quite hear clearly yet. You know, he was trying to get our attention and telling us something, but we, we really, we really didn't hear the call clearly yet. Now, I come from a missionary background. I had an uncle and two aunts who were uh, missionaries to the Belgium Congo uh, in Africa for 40-some years. And I always had this, I don't know, adventurous spirit and wanting to do something. But I didn't know that was going to be what God ended up calling us to do. But let me tell you what happened. One day, my husband came home. And he managed, as I said, 40 farms. That was a lot of work, and it was a big challenge for him, but he did really good in it. He also sold farm real estate, and he had the best year of his life. And we had our dream home, <laughs> everything, on a lake, and it was just beautiful. And he came home and said, Honey, the Lord is giving us an opportunity to trust him. And uh, I said, Oh, really? And he said, Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, one of his bosses came in that day and said, the company is making many changes, and you are one of them. And, of course, the person who let him go got let go, and there was just a big company shakeup. Well, it devastated my husband at first because, you know, that's a man. That, that's pretty hard because he's the breadwinner, and he felt like maybe he failed and everything. Well, God had been trying to talk to him, but, well, how do you know? How many of you know sometimes God gives us a Gentle little kick. Just kind of get us into his will sometimes. 